I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, live from Wimbledon on day six of Wimbledon in our dry weather position Never, I'd love to say never in doubt, but again, very much in doubt until very, very recently. But we've taken the risk. The skies have cleared above us. All is going to be fine. We're overlooking court 18 again. The court is covered. Wimbledon is asleep for the night, and that is when our work begins. David's just hot-footed it from court number one, where he's watched the very much back Matteo Berrettini. And, and then some. And Matt and I have been watching Elena Rabakina be very much back <laughs> if she was ever away on centre court 6161 for her just now over Katie Bolter yes i think that's a great matchup for elena rabakina which we sort of thought it might be the other night but you never really know until you see it but all of our fears for Katie Bolter were confirmed i think as soon as that got going rabakina a bigger game a better game especially under the roof and she was absolutely ruthless tonight. Yeah, and all of our fears about Elena Rabakina before the tournament <laughs> completely and utterly dispelled. Can we go back into our archives and delete the Rabakina <laughs> sections of our two preview shows? Because, my goodness me, she's made a mockery of them, hasn't she? Yeah, and uh, that's the only downside. I mean, I, I guess it's a downside from a British tennis p- point of view because a British player, the sole remaining British tennis player, has lost. But... All that aside and all predictions, humiliation, which, frankly, I'm accustomed to aside, isn't it just great to see her doing what she's capable of doing again here on this stage? Because a, a draw with Elena Rabakina in it, healthy, playing her best tennis, that still has Irina Sabalenka and Iga Shantek and Ons Jabeur in it, is a good situation. And she's just getting better. On the BBC coverage they flashed up a stat midway through that first set about the respective forehand speeds of Elena Rabakina and Katie Bolter and Bolter's a big hitter on the forehand side that that is her her main strength she doesn't often look underpowered and Elena Rabakina it's such a subtle type of power isn't it I wasn't expecting it to be the vast difference that it was I think it was over 10 miles per hour at least 10 miles per hour yeah 72 and 82 miles per hour it was that's that's a big deal that kind of difference and yeah it, it's not the it's not the thunder crack of a sound that the Sabalenka ground strokes make because it's just power that's produced in such a different way but it is power mm. oh it really is and it's actually since watching Rebecca live that I think I've had a greater appreciation for her game because it's it's smooth power. It's power that doesn't look like it should be happening. You're on, Matt. <laughs> Around 15 minutes. Please make your way to the exit gates and make sure you take all your belongings with you. We hope you've enjoyed your day here at, Wim- at Wimbledon. A pleasant and safe journey home. Thank you. <laughs> that was much better than what I was going to say about Rebecca. So I'm glad they interrupted. 
I don't know where you go from here, Matt. There's still there's still eight days to go. How can that possibly improve? Well, I think I can improve the rhythm. I can get it properly in time with the guy. Maybe you can make some script suggestions. Yeah, I could improve, <laughs> improve his script. More of a double act. Yeah, just... just <laughs> It's not very fun, is it? I think we could make it a bit more fun. Straight man and a comedy man. Um, Please excuse me, everybody listening on the podcast, because I'm going to do something for those joining us visually tonight, and that is that I'm going to ask Matt Roberts to stand up so that everyone can see this incredible T-shirt that he's wearing. Can I put my laptop down? Yeah, but I still think you need to do a little... Is that in shot, Matthew? What he's wearing, for the benefit of people listening, <laughs> is um, what I think might be a vintage T-shirt, but Matt thinks it's recently produced. But it's from... Available it's on the internet. celebrating the back of Battle of the Sexes, 1973, 50th anniversary coming up this September, and it has a picture of Billie Jean King circa 1973 and the scoreline in the Battle of the Sexes, which was a straight sets victory for Billie Jean King mm. over Bobby Riggs. Matt, you are a legend. <laughs> Billie Jean King was a big feature of the day today, wasn't she, in the royal box on Centre Court? I, I don't know if she left her seat <laughs> all day, um, but it didn't look like it. She stuck it out through the rain delay. She had a half-an-hour chat with Leah Williamson, who was one of the lionesses in there today. It was wonderful scenes. Yes, there was there was something a little bittersweet about about the lionesses being in there because they're the ones who are all injured and can't go to the World Cup um, this month. Uh, but seeing Leah Williamson talk to Billie Jean King for such a long time—I mean, honestly, a half an hour—there was lots of lots of hand gestures going on. I, I need a professional lip reader on that conversation Can because the footage of it was was cinematic they had close-ups they had camera angles can it was, you imagine it was how many topics they covered in that time <laughs> knowing what we do about the mind of Billie Jean King I have asked Alana what was Ooh. said and she said she will try to find out for us good work David <laughs> Watch this space, folks. Quite literally, the exclusive on Billie Jean King and Leah Williamson is coming up. Um, she stayed right the way through that rain. That chat with Leah Williamson happened in the rain delay that took place mid-match during Onstrup Burr. Who are you smiling at, David? Just those lovely people over there. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> Hello, lovely people. Um, midway through Onstrup Burr and Bianca. Andrescu, the match that we were all pumped for, that we were all desperately looking forward to today, didn't disappoint, I don't think, didn't quite finish, it didn't quite have the crescendo ending that um, that the match perhaps deserved, because there was so much good tennis in there and a really good contest, interrupted by the rain at 3-4 uh, in the deciding set, Andrescu just that first set for Andrescu and I know the problem is that she can't sustain it yet at this stage of her what are we calling it a comeback what is it I don't know um but that first set from Bianca Andrescu in the words of David Law was 2019 US Open stuff yeah it, it was so exhilarating and she was kind of ons jabbering ons jabber in the first set she kept answering any slice backhand with this whipped inside out forehand slice of her own that you that you would normally look at and say that's unnecessary you don't need to hit that shot <laughs> but it was almost as though she just it, it loosened her up um to to play the tennis that we know she can play and she was in charge of that match and i i wonder whether she'll have some regrets or whether maybe i don't know i didn't see enough of the third set to be able to judge there was a you know, a contentious moment, or you could say, in 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 towards the end of the second set. But generally speaking, I think that Andrescu played brilliantly, and then Ons Jabeur responded. And I think that those are two good news stories for tennis. Yeah, my take. I don't know what you think about this, Matt. Is that she shouldn't have regrets about Ons Jabeur making a match of it and winning that second set. I do think Ons Jabeur responded, as you said, David, in and raised her level and just got a feel for what Andrescu was doing. It's such a different ball mm. and such a confused... She got a taste, she talked about this in her on-court interview, she got a taste of what it's like to pay herself, yeah. didn't she? And it takes an awful lot of adjusting to, and Jabba did that in the second set. I do think she will have potential nightmares about the four-all game that she played and lost to love. 
Yeah, it was a very loose game. Um, third set, was that? Third, third set, set, yeah. Did I, who knows what I said? <laughs> third set. Very loose, lots of unforced errors, kind of handed it to Ons Jabur to allow Ons Jabur to serve it out, which, which she did. Um, and yeah, I mean, generally I was really encouraged by this performance from Andrescu. You know, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago that we were getting really excited about Bianca Andrescu at the French Open when she had that magnificent match against Azarenka and then we sent our mate Dave who'd had a miserable day at uh, Roland Garros we said go and cheer yourself up with some Bianca Andrescu <laughs> over on Simone Mathieu and she promptly lost I think it was one and one maybe to Sirenko in about 45 minutes and, and there was absolutely no backing up that previous good performance whereas here she did back up performance wise what she put in the other day against Angelina Kalinina. So I was really encouraged by that. Um, and yeah, it, it, it did almost feel like Ons Jabeur halfway through this match just went, hang on a minute, I'm the shot maker. I'm the one who does all the fun stuff. You might have your sliced forehands, but I'm the one who, who, who's been doing this more recently and, and at a really top level. And I think she really enjoyed that challenge in the end, Ons Jabeur and... Yeah, a really, really good win from Chabert in the end because Andrescu was playing pretty pretty well today. Just going to read you a line from her press conference transcript, which has just come in. We weren't able to go to her press conference because it took place while we were setting up for the live show, which probably is the most tense part of the day for <laughs> all of us. Um, asked about, She was asked about whether she felt the match was on her racket. Um, she said, I don't think I changed anything. I think she kind of started going for it a little bit more. She said, she hit a lot of lines today. I don't want to say lucky shots, (laughs) but she did hit on the parts of the court that had a lot of bad bounces. (laughs) So I was like, okay, that's fine. But I tried to stay positive, and I mean, that game's going to haunt me. Let me just tell you, it's tough. And even the the four-all game to go up 5-4... That one's going to haunt me. But that's tennis. I don't think anyone has ever held their serve all the time. So, yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. I'm very upset. Oh. Mm. There's, there's green shoots of growth, Bianca. Keep mm. going. There is, and, and I've said that before. <laughs> every, every Grand Slam. And David mentioned a contentious moment, which we, which we haven't described. And it was... Yeah, it was, it was in the second set, wasn't it? Uh, Andrescu hit a shot which was uh, called out. She was mm-hmm. going to challenge. Uh, and there was a bit of a sort of quite a friendly exchange between Ons Jabeur and Bianca Andrescu. And it seemed to be Ons Jabeur sort of saying, look, don't waste your challenge on that because it was definitely out. And Andrescu accepted that. And then the replay on, you know, showed the Hawkeye and it was actually in. And then Andrescu lost her serve moments after. Now, I really don't... <laughs> I don't think Ons Chabert is, is that a sort of player. If she's dastardly, she is covering it she's up. She's getting away with it. <laughs> Very my, well. I watched this happen and my instant reaction was there's nothing sinister in intention here. I've got to be honest, if that was other players and not Ons Chabert, I might be rethinking that. I might not be saying what I've just said because mm. that did change things. That changed mm. the momentum. Um, Andrescu came straight out. And lost to serve. You know, if you if you wanted to, you could you could accuse her of that. I think that would be unfair because I think that Onstjeber just gave an honest opinion, trying to be helpful. That is what I saw. Also, think it diffused the intensity a bit of right. Bianca Andrescu because it was a kind of funny light moment, and because yeah. it's Onstjeber, yeah. it just ends up being sort of lovely, doesn't mm. it? And less bent over fist pump come on and more sort of oh Ons you're so nice <laughs> we all love you um, but yeah it, I, I think that victory will make Ons Jabeur a lot more dangerous now going forward in the tournament I think that would be good for her yeah although she now plays Petra Kvitova oh great which mm. I didn't know that feels like <laughs> you know Ons Jabeur could probably play really well and still lose that match it, it, it still feels like Petra Kvitova will be the one dictating the play in that match, you know, as she so Slash often is. every match she plays, exactly. yeah. I mean, she played Elena Rabakina in Miami and was dictating play. <laughs> She's ridiculous. Um, she was challenged today against Natalia Stavanovic, 
Um, Serbian qualifier making her Wimbledon main draw debut at nearly 29 years of age. Oh, wow. She used to just not play grass at all, not bother with coming to play Wimbledon qualies. And then she entered an ITF grass court event in India and won it and fell in love with grass on the spot. Um, oh, and so here great. she is having qualified at Wimbledon, made it to the third round and she was making a play for the intensity list. Let me tell you, she was all kinds of fire out there and she was drawing Kvitova into a fight, which is my favourite kind of Kvitova to watch. There were some really yeah. good podges out there today, but she's playing really well, Kvitova. Not not perfect, you know, still handfuls of unforced errors, which you'd think that when she comes up against the best, she'll have to iron out, but I think I favour her in that match against Jabur because Kvitova playing really well at Wimbledon generally means Kvitova wins. What's that facial expression, Matt Roberts? That was, please don't make me make a prediction about a Petra Kvitova match. <laughs> well, I just uh, made an unsolicited yeah, one. Yeah, which, that's on you. Um, the thing is, Petra Kvitova has spoken quite a lot this tournament about the fact that, yes, she's had great results at Wimbledon in the past you know she's a she's a two-time champion here and yes her grass court results have have kept being good in her career she just won a title a couple of weeks ago but actually she hasn't had that many good results at Wimbledon since she won her second title in 2014 I think this is just the second time since then that she's made the second week and she says she does feel an extra pressure here you know because she knows that she should be performing well and I think we've seen that pressure a little bit so far this tournament I mean it was an absolute ordeal trying to serve this match out I mean I think I think she sort of tried to match the intensity that was going on down the other end of the court and I loved it but it's not necessarily conducive to Petra Kvitova playing her best tennis it tends tends to be a bit more serene and calm when things are going well for her Um, but yeah she was she was fist bumping and it was it was great to watch Mm. but um, yeah it, it, it did take her four match points to to finish it off but yeah I mean she's come through some tests because uh, Sasnovic who she beat in the previous round had beaten her before at Wimbledon so you know it's, it's been a slightly tricky route and now she finally gets that match against Lance Jabeur and all I'm going to say is I can't wait Matt's <laughs> dodged it David what's <laughs> happening what do you think uh, I would go for Kvitova uh, I just feel like she's on a, on a mission and we don't know, to use the sort of Andy Murray mentality of last night, how many more chances Kvitova's going to have. She's in such great form. She's got a title this year, a big title. And she she couldn't be more pumped up. Some, sometimes Kvitova just looks that little bit, mm. oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll go and have a swing. And, and that that's dangerous too. I just found, I said, that's interesting when you were talking about her showing intensity and getting drawn into a dogfight. And you, Catherine, you love seeing that. Petra Kvitova I'm not convinced about what you say I think she is dangerous in those situations I feel that almost as though that might elevate her drag something else out of her and I, I don't have any evidence for that I don't well, today I, I, but I can't think of Miami anecdotally I can't was, think of like when she's won the title here she's just sort of destroyed people exactly remember what she did to Eugenie Bouchard in the final in the last time she won it but I just think that at this stage in her career, she needs to be so dialed into the moment. And I feel like that whole body language of when she shouts punch and she gets down on the haunt she is and she hits winners. I mean, I don't, the problem is I don't, know who, I don't know who I want to win that match. I mean, I, we try to be objective in terms of who we think will win and, and our assessment of it. But inevitably, you get a, a desire for somebody to, to come out on top just because it's human nature. I just like them both so much, and, and either one winning would be a good story. I think it'll be Kvitova. We can tell people who Hannah wants to win oh, instead yeah. of declaring our own preferences, perhaps. Hannah wants Petra Kvitova to win more than she wants anything else in the world, <laughs> I think. The, 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 the whole title, I think, rather than just that match against Ons Jabeur. Could happen, Hannah. Definitely could happen. Um, Talked about Rabatkina earlier. Shall I tell you who Elena Rabatkina now faces in round four? David, you might be ahead of your time because Elena Rabatkina now faces Beatrice Haddad-Meyer. Tell you what, she's playing, huh? (laughs) 
What, what, uh, 6262 today? Yeah. yeah, she got it done before the rain, which was really impressive because the rain came quite early. Um, yep. That's the sound <laughs> That's of David, David winning the beer race. Winning the beer race. <laughs> it wasn't even a race today, it was just a victory lap. I'm on fire today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I really think that Haddad Meyer getting over that hurdle finally that she did at Roland Garros finally getting beyond I think the second round of a slam for the first time has freed her up and we saw that in the in the latter end of that tournament at Roland Garros her, her level improved and she really pushed Igor Sviontek there and here she had a 1-4 head-to-head deficit against Serana Castella and yet wow. she's now she now feels like a different player in the slam she had 23 winners and 11 unforced errors really really good performance we know she's good on grass because that's why David predicted her to reach the Wimbledon final last year. She had so many wins on the surface. <laughs> I mean, literally... She just wasn't ready to do it at a slam yet. Yeah, correct, Matt. That's exactly what I was thinking. I love to see these players... <laughs> I'm thinking of Alina Svitolina yesterday that had big runs in Paris and you, you didn't know at the time how much they were going to be one-offs or not one-offs, but sort of random peaks in a career. I'm loving seeing these people that are doing back-to-back things in Paris and here at Wimbledon. Uh, Arena Sabalenka, a winner today, incredibly comfortable over Anna Blinkova. She keeps playing Russians. She's now got Ekaterina Alexandrova, who I keep wanting to write Conqueror of Madison Brengel after I write <laughs> Ekaterina Alexandrova, even though, conqueror. you know, who on tour isn't a Conqueror of Madison Brengel at some stage in their lives? And she has a head-to-head lead against Sabalenka Alexandrova oh. wow don't have too much more to say but <laughs> I wonder that is that, something that I know I wonder why that is I, re- I don't I have mean, anything for you on, <laughs> on paper curious. I can't recall any of their previous meetings on paper I would say this a bit like Bolter and Rabakina they're very similar players mm. and in that situation where you kind of take the match up thing out of it it's just the better player that comes out on top Alexandrova belts the ball Mm. She really goes for it. I, d- I think she's a pretty fearless tennis player. I'm sure that will help her playing the second seed, and that'll either be on on court one or centre court. Quite possibly centre court because she was court one today. Sabalenka. When, when were those previous meetings? Do you have any idea when whether they were in the sort of recent champion Sabalenka period? We are live, David. Okay, <laughs> we don't because I don't. But but I'm sort of here, here's what I think. I think that Sabalenka now wins that match I think that she yeah. is a different player to to just the tennis player that, that goes toe to toe with Alexandra Vare. I think she's champion Alexa- uh, Sabalenka yeah I mean I back I back Sabalenka in in most matches this year I mean she's she's only lost one once at the slam hasn't she it took an extraordinary performance from Mukova to beat her uh, you've you've brought it up, Catherine. I've got the head to head. You've talked for sufficiently long that I've got the head to head up. Their last meeting was June of last year on grass in uh, Togenbosch, and that was won by Sabalenka in two straight sets. Uh, and actually, Sabalenka won. There actually no, that wasn't their last one. That was their last one on grass. They also played in October 2022. Sabalenka won that. No, am I reading scores wrong, Matt? You're reading a very confusing head-to-head, I would say. David, you've led us down an absolutely terrible road. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. this would if, totally be edited this... out if this was a podcast. <laughs> Apologies, everybody. Apologies to everyone just listening to this as a standard podcast, thinking we don't usually get this drivel. <laughs> uh, Alexandra won their last two meetings, including one on grass in her Togenbosch in June of last year. Right. Like I said... <laughs> Not when she was a champion at Sabalenka. <laughs> yeah, crucially, no meetings this year. Exactly. And Sabalenka is different this year. So Grass, though, and 7-5-6 love school line. But then I suppose Sabalenka knew she wasn't playing Wimbledon last year. I knew Alexandra wasn't playing no. Wimbledon. <laughs> it's not our best work, this, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Sabalenka. What are you going? Oh, I, Sabalenka. I've got Sabalenka winning the title, so yeah, I'm going Sabalenka. Um, Madison Keys. God, we've been so exposed. <laughs> Madison Keys is continuing her Eastbourne form. What did she do today? She beat Marta Kostiuk 6 4 6 1. 
And I I spoke to someone today who was there in Eastbourne, um, what's the WTA, watching Madison Keys, and she was just in awe of how she was playing. Um, and it does it does seem like she's just That's continued great. on that same track. I put Madison Keys in the Grigor Dimitrov category of she looks world beating until she's not, until she comes up against someone where mental baggage comes comes to be a factor where that... I think that's really fair. If I think back, it was 2014 that I was in Eastbourne commentating on an 18-year-old Madison Keys facing Angelique Kerber before Kerber started winning Grand Slam titles, and they met in the final. Keys won that final, and if you'd have asked me right then, I'd have said we're looking at a multiple Grand Slam title winner in Madison Keys, 2014. That's the year that Grigor Dimitrov beat Andy Murray and got to the semi-finals and faced Novak Djokovic. And I'd have also said you're looking at a, probably at least a Grand Slam champion, maybe multiple in Dimitrov. I think that's a fair comparison. Mm. Yeah. I don't think we know how well Madison Keys is playing until second week really until she plays somebody really really top yeah. and, and, and in a high stakes match I, I'm so scarred by the year 2018 I think it was when she was playing sublime tennis and she this was less than a year after reaching that US Open final pretty much peak Madison Keys and then I commentated on her losing to Evgenia Rodina wow. in the fourth round and she was terrible and the draw had totally opened up for her and if I've got mental scar tissue from that defeat, I can only imagine what Madison Keys has got from it. But we'll see. We'll see. She plays uh, Mira Andreeva or Anna Potapova, Anastasia Potapova in the next round. Theirs was the only match today, the only singles match, which didn't even get on court due to the rain. Uh, the rain came for a, for a second time around about half past seven. And they made the decision in the referee's office to cancel all play on the outside courts at about 8pm. So Andreva and Potapova will be inserted into the schedule tomorrow. So that's an advantage for Keys that she gets a day off and uh, her full-round opponent doesn't. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Let's move on to the men's draw now and let's talk about the top seed. Carlos Alcaraz narrowly avoided a five-setter today against your man, Nicholas Jerry. A lot of people recording review material for day six of Wimbledon won't have a Nicholas Jerry guy on their team when they need one. <laughs> we, David, have a Nicholas Jerry guy. Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, he was a breakdown in the fourth, wasn't he, Carlos Alcaraz? <laughs> This didn't feel like one of those top seeds facing a plucky underdog where it's a bit of fun but the results never in doubt. I thought there was serious jeopardy in this one and Alcaraz did blooming well to wrestle it back and not only win it but prevent a fifth set. Completely agree, yeah. I mean, because Nicholas Jarry is good, as, as I've been saying. 
Um, Repeatedly. And yeah. all the time. Yeah, and honestly, for us seasoned Nicholas Jarry watchers. Uh, Are there others? <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> what I was very impressed with today was just how how he stepped up actually in in some pretty big moments. There was a there was a bad miss in the fourth set to lose his serve. He missed a very easy forehand, which is something that uh, Carlos Alcaraz mentioned in his encore interview as a turning point. But in in particular in that um, in that second set. He had a break, he lost it, and then he still managed to win the set in the tiebreak, even though Carlos Alcaraz was Carlos Alcarazing and coming up with some showtime shots, you know? Oh, there was a lob, wasn't there? Oh, it was absolutely stunning. And yet, Jerry then won the tiebreak. You know, it was really, really impressive from him. But what I loved about this match is that Jerry forced Alcaraz to use his full repertoire of shots and his full range of his talent because he needed to. I mean, sometimes Alcaraz will just do it just for the sake of it, just because it's fun and he's having a good time. But actually, today, it was, it was you know, incredible shots at important times, and he, he needed to come up with that tennis today, Alcaraz. And, and that's what I loved about this match. It felt like, yeah, it really did feel like Alcaraz was under, under pressure, under threat from Nicholas Jarry. Just, he has got such a big game he's a huge man six foot six he's got a massive forehand a really flat backhand he likes coming forward he's got a big serve under the roof it was just it was a nightmare really for Alcaraz and I think he did really really well uh, to problem solve and come through it and my man Jerry you know people are people are going to be on board now he's top 30 in the race Jerry I mean he is a serious proposition and it'll be a relief to players like Carlos Alcaraz that he's going to be seeded at slams but he's seeded at this slam but I think this was his first his first one being seeded and he's going to be seeded going forwards I commentated on it and uh, I was impressed with him but also I think he just simplified his tactics he said I'm going to go for it I'm going to hit if if the ball's there to be hit I'm, I'm going for it and you're going to have to deal with my size and presence at the net and it was a considerable issue for, for, for Alcraz at times by uh, during that match Alcraz's biggest Wimbledon win in his incredibly long career so far yeah I mean he had a good one last year in five sets against Struff that was out on court one almost uh, similar very mm. similar uh, I think. big guy coming out agricultural but, but yeah <laughs> I would say that that is fair. I think that that is what Jerry brings to the table. I think he's a good player. I think he's got some quite quite good hands for, mm. for somebody of his size. But his best wins on this surface or on hard courts are going to come, and even on clay courts, is if he plays big man tennis. Well, similar things apply. We might be talking about a very similar match for Carlos Alcaraz in the next round because he will face Matteo Berrettini. Of aforementioned, Matteo Berrettini is back fame. David, you've just commentated on a straight sets win for Berrettini over Alexander Zverev and again, we try not to have favourites, don't we? But goodness me, you've got to be hard of heart to not be chuffed to bits to see Matteo Berrettini doing this. Well, I have down my beer because I'm high on Matteo Berrettini. <laughs> I, I swear to God. I, for a start, you know, you're, you're right. Two years ago, you reached the final. Last year he comes in having won the Queen's title and the Stuttgart title and he gets COVID and he, he's just devastated. Uh, we, I remember us going to the US Open and asking him how long it took him to recover and he said, I don't think I, I, don't think I have recovered mentally. And, and that was after having missed the whole clay court season, yeah. wasn't it, with a hand or wrist injury? He, um, he, he's, had, he'd ha, he's had a terrible time this last 12 months and I, I actually took the chance to look up during this match the video of him leaving the court in Stuttgart a few weeks ago it's like a month ago against Lorenzo Sonigo he's won three games in two sets as Berrettini and he leaves the court sobbing doesn't play Queens did he in the end and honestly he's an also ran coming into this tournament and haven't even thought about him it's kind of Rebecca in a times 10 in terms of how much I'm dismissing him based on all this I think when he beat Dimonor in the previous round, that really caught my attention. You don't beat Dimonor without playing well. And today, Alexander Zverev, 
put in, over the course of a three-set, three-hour match, he put in 81% of first serves in. Hit mostly at 130 miles an hour. He won 90% of those points, Verev. Berrettini won in straight sets. First set was, I think, 6-3. There was a single-breaker serve. The next two sets were tie-breaks. I've never seen Berrettini play better than that. It was so uplifting. And I am telling you right now, if Berrettini plays Alcaraz in the form that they were in today, Berrettini will win in straight sets. You can drop your mic, David. Silence doesn't work on a podcast, We don't know what will happen in two days' time. Alcaraz may come out with the answers. Berrettini may not deliver that performance. But those respective performances, I watched them court level in commentary boxes, and I saw two players at a completely different level on this particular surface. Berrettini knows what he is on a grass court, and he was so free and excited by his own performance. Suddenly, out of nowhere, out of despair, he has found what he's been looking for and it was joyous what I don't understand about the nature of that win for Matteo Berrettini and maybe you can help me with this is usually when you're finding your form after injury what what takes the longest to come back what you can't cheat is the match toughness the match tight tightness okay he's playing great tennis he's he's found his best tennis out of nowhere brilliant but a match like that where someone's serving bombs at you and it's all about taking the paltry chances that you do get, usually that's the fine-tuning that only comes with time. Yeah. Mm. How's he doing I it? I really don't understand it, Catherine. I, I, I didn't get a chance to hear his post-match press conference. I, I, I really would have been curious. and um, we'll, we'll go and check it out afterwards because it's almost like he's just sort of discovered it in real time and he's surprised by it as well. Um... But just, like, Zverev played really, really well. I don't think Zverev can play that much better on a grass court than that. There were, there were some rallies where I'm thinking... I mean, Zverev threw in a few duffer drop shots when he really should have been going after his backhand. But one point, he hit the big backhand on the line, and Berrettini's got this diffusing forehand slice where he just cushions the pace of it, gets back in the rally, and then he was hitting his backhand, and he was absolutely knifing the slice. And if the ball's there on the forehand, forget about it. It was awesome. I'm high on David being high about Matteo Berrettini. <laughs> I'm, not usually, I'm in shock. I'm not, I'm, I swear I'm not usually that into Berrettini, right? I like him. I'm not, not sure anyone is. Um, but... To me, it's a meat and potatoes game. It's the, it's the epitome of agricultural. He's got a massive serve. He's got a massive forehand. He protects his backhand. He's got decent touch, right? But he wins his matches in the same way. He was awesome. I'm telling you. Brilliant. He, he was asked on the court about the fact that he finally gets a day off now. He's one of those players that I think has played five days in a row. Not full matches, obviously, but Sitsipas is another one of those. More on him and his schedule to come um, and he said five days in a row is nothing I spent so many days in bed crying about not being able to play mm. well great isn't it that he's that he's so produced that him. and the crowd love him you know they I got the sense that they they he makes you feel things if you when he's on the court and uh, and he made them feel a lot of stuff We've got a we've we've got an awful lot still to talk about, considering we've we've just absolutely peaked for, for the episode. Matt, we, we've lost Matt. Matt is too I'm stunned to speak. Genuinely stunned right now. Yeah. Would you like to talk about Holger Rune and Alejandro yes, Davidovich Bikina? That. Will that get you out of your that was, your that funk? Was great. What a day it's been. This mm. was exactly <laughs> the match that you think it was that it was always going to be. Was there ever a world in which this match didn't go to a fifth set tie break and Alejandro Davidovich Akina didn't serve an underarm serve at eight all in that tie break mm. and not win another point? Like, of course that's how it went. Yeah. I thought Davidovich Fakina had found the most extraordinary way to lose a tennis match at Wimbledon last year. Which was when he lost on match point via point penalty for ball abuse. 
I mean, that is pretty spectacular. I don't even remember. Also in a fifth set. Also in a fifth set. He ran that very, very close today <laughs> in how he lost this match because, absolutely, first four sets, you know, first five sets, you know, all of it really was thrilling. It was, it was momentum was swinging back and forth. And finally, we end up in this, in this match tie break. And I, I cannot stress enough, Alejandro Davidic Fakina played probably the best point I've seen all tournament to go up 8-5. It was an incredible... Like, there was a dead net cord from Holgaruna, which he managed somehow to get to. Holgaruna lobbed him, and he, and he sort of did a reverse lob and put it on Runa's baseline and won the point to go 8-5 up. The place is going crazy. You know, it's brilliant from Davidovich Fakina. He did not win another point in the match after that. And at 8-all... <laughs> at 8-all... <eight> <laughs> He did an underarm serve, which was terrible. And Hulgaruna just, yeah. Hulgaruna just sort of ambled up to it and hit it for a winner. That is extraordinary. And in his Spanish press conference afterwards, he explained himself, or tried to explain himself, by saying that just moments before, he thought, oh my God, I can't play this point. He said, I shat myself. <laughs> <laughs> that translates swear words from Spanish press conferences is my yeah. favourite thing. Me he cagado. <laughs> I shat myself. Like he, he just bailed out. He just, he just did. A I love that he's telling us Yeah, it was the like one of the biggest brain farts in tennis history. It's what normal people would do. Totally. <laughs> I mean, oh my god. I mean, if if you had to, if you had to. Explain Alejandro Davidovich Fakina <laughs> to someone, I would say, watch the last five or six points of that match because it was electrifying. And then it was, what the hell are you doing? And that is his career. Holger Runa was asked about it a lot in his press conference and he obviously didn't want to... He robbed salt in the Davidovich Fakina <laughs> wounds. And he was like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, I was, I was surprised. <laughs> and he, and look, it's Grateful. The thing is, we quite like an underarm serve. We do. This, this is absolutely setting it back. This is not good for the <laughs> underarm serve. Imagine because, if you'd have hit an ace. <laughs> the thing is, Runa said, I was so pleased because he was serving so well. Yeah, exactly. He really was. He was serving so well. So it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was so funny, yeah. And then, and then it was pressed further on it, and he said, "Well, I wouldn't have done it." <laughs> um, so Runa threw to the fourth round, and by the way, this is back-to-back Grand Slams where he's won match tie breaks. I know in Paris, he failed to back up that match tie break that he won against Francisco Sarundolo that we all watched. Um, be interesting to see if he can do it here. He will face either Grigor Dimitrov or Francis Tiafo in round four. As it stands, overnight, Grigor Dimitrov is dreaming about his two sets to love lead over Francis Tiafo. How's that going to go, David? Grigor Dimitrov, expert, the fact that he has to sleep on this. That's a very good question. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would have felt a lot more confident for him if they'd have not had to stop and I think that Francis Tiafo will will reset and make something of that um, but yeah I would still expect Dimitrov to win I think he's although he, he does have scar tissue serious scar tissue mentally against a lot of players in a lot of positions I still think he's he's had enough good leads against very good players that he's seen out and I would expect him to go and do it we did get the obligatory Griggles playing well. Oh, yes. <laughs> message. <laughs> looking dangerous. Yes. It's my favourite part of the yeah. day. You just never know. <laughs> we were waiting for it to come through and then it dropped. Yep. Um, we'll see if we get another one tomorrow, shall we? Because they will be back tomorrow. Someone else that will be back tomorrow. Stefanos Sitsipas. <laughs> now, he Does should, he <laughs> he should have earned himself a day off tomorrow because they finally caught up with singles today except for the rain then coming they caught up and then they fell behind again because rain yeah. came we had we had one day of a nice neat schedule yeah british weather <laughs> um 
Sitsabas gets his job done straight sets, three tight sets against Lazo Jera, but but three sets playing similarly, I think, to how it was against Andy Murray, commanding stuff. Didn't see loads of this, but serve was firing, forehand was firing, looked good. So he's thinking, day off tomorrow, brilliant. I've been here every day of my life for the past <laughs> for the past ten days, brilliant. <laughs> but he's in the doubles, isn't he, with Petros. And they started their match yesterday, and they were a set all in that match with um, the interesting pairing of Artifice and Luca Van Asch, the two French exciting youngsters. They were scheduled to resume that match today, got rained off and cancelled. So first on the schedule tomorrow is the resumption of Petros and Stefanos Sitsipas <laughs> against Luca Van Asch and Artifice. Seriously, though... Is this going to potentially damage his singles? I mean, logically, I would say yes. Um, it it doesn't seem very sensible to me. I guess we're only going to know when we see the results. It doesn't sound sensible to me. It because when you come in every day and you've got to get changed, you've got to get, and he's a pro. You know, he's he's really tries to do the right things. He always looks the part and all the rest of it. That is wearing. As far as I'm concerned, I, I, I think that there is a chance that he just takes a little edge off his singles performance with that. Maybe he'll go and win both titles and prove all of that wrong. But I think that top players do not do that. And and actually, if not with Petros Sitsipas, they don't. David's predicted Alcaraz to lose in straight sets and Petros Sitsipas to win Wimbledon. <laughs> not. I've said maybe. Uh, but I mean. Jessica Pagula pulled out the doubles, mm. I think, didn't she? Out of the mix. Out of the mix. Out of the yeah. mixed doubles. And I'm afraid to say the collateral damage, if you get any tweaks or if you or frankly, even if the schedule gets starts to get behind because mm. of weather weather, people start ditching mixed doubles or doubles. It just does happen. Um and I it's sad in a way, but I do think he's he's taken a risk. At least at least that's what usually is the case. He's got Christopher Eubanks in the fourth round, which I know sounds like a good draw and is a good draw on paper. Eubanks today, straight sets for him over Christopher O'Connell. Again, a good draw for a place in the second week of Islam to take on your fellow Christopher. But I think Eubanks is going to take some beating because he is serving out of a tree. And Sitsabas is the weakest element of his game is the return game on grass. He's going to be... I think there's going to be tie breaks in that match, and Eubanks won in three tie breaks today. He's tight, the good kind of tight, in in those kind of situations. And I don't I expect Sitsipas to win if he shows up, but he needs to show up for that match. It's it's not a gimme. Um, so we'll see. Hmm. We yeah. will see. I mean, but he has been showing up in the singles. You know, so, he's 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 played way better here than I thought he would I suppose it's just a question of whether it all ends up taking its toll on him and you know we were talking to Pam Shriver yesterday after after the podcast and you know I think we made the point on the podcast that the, the schedule was difficult for a lot of players in the past few days and it is going to take its toll on someone Sitsipas has paid a bit of singles every day from from Tuesday onwards he's, he's playing a bit of doubles again tomorrow but I don't know. It feels like Sitsipas is playing really, really well, and I just think I would back his his quality over Christopher Eubanks. But um, I agree, it's it, it's not an easier match as it may appear mm. on on paper because Eubanks has been brilliant and is playing with a lot of confidence. Now, on the subject of withdrawing from doubles, let's talk about Casper Ruud again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hasn't he like left? Well, I think he's going to now because he's got what he came for, David, and that was a weekend concert <laughs> at the London Stadium. Well, they are good. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, went to the gig last night. His stated goal for the week mm-hmm. got scheduled first on. Yep. Today, one in forty-five minutes. Yep. Great. Brilliant. Yeah, it is possible to go to weekend concerts and also be successful in Wimbledon doubles. Great. Then what? Then pulled out of the doubles with a quote shoulder injury. 
Get well soon, Casper. <laughs> yeah. Get well soon, Casper. I mean, he's, he, he's got Borscht Dad to prepare for. <laughs> don't enter it. Don't play. I'm fine with that. Protect your mental health. You don't have the bandwidth for the grass. Fine. Don't play. Don't play and do this. I suppose he might have a shoulder injury, but it's a he bit He went in sus, 45 minutes, David. <laughs> well, they <laughs> was playing um, Daniel Galan, who definitely didn't need doubles on his schedule. So, right. I don't know what... That might have been the worst match of all time. <laughs> didn't see it. I might have to watch the replay. <laughs> um, last bit of uh, men's singles action to cover off from today. Daniel Medvedev through to the second week here for the second time. The last time was 2021. Um, and he now faces Yuri Lehechka for place in the quarters. And that was a very dramatic match. Lehechka against Tommy Paul. Yeah. Uh, went five sets, you know, was, was interrupted by the rain and... The uh, fourth set tiebreak was so dramatic because <laughs> kind of a theme of this tournament, actually. We talked about it yesterday with Andy Murray. We mentioned it again today with Bianca Andrescu, a, kind of around a challenge as a sort of turning point. Um, Lehechka had match point. Paul hit a shot onto the baseline and Lehechka hit it back and hit a great shot back. But sort of as he hit it, challenged thinking that Paul's shot was out. Paul's shot was actually in, so Lehechka lost the point, lost his match point, ended up losing the set. And I'm thinking at this point, well, surely Tommy Paul is, is a favourite now. He's, he's got the momentum having won sets three and four. How, if you're Larry Lehechka, do you overcome what just happened on his match point? And he really, really did. He got back to playing the tennis he played in the first couple of sets in that fifth. And, yeah, he's, he's, he's such a good ball striker I mean it, it really makes sense to me that he's now working with Thomas Burdick because yes. their their games feel really quite similar and when it's on it's very hard to stop I think especially on grass and I think I do think that's another tricky match mm. for Medvedev it was it was it was a tricky one today he came through it but Lehechka's performed well in slams this year and is is playing really really well yeah yeah, dropped a set today to Martin Futrovich, didn't he? And he was he was forced to play well, I thought, Medvedev. And I think he'll be forced to play well again against Lehechka. Um I think he might have a closing bit of mental fragility, Lehechka, don't know. But he's a heck of a brawl striker, really is. Um, looking forward to that one. Went to Medvedev's press conference, um, asked him about how he views his year because he's won all of these titles I was playing a little game with myself reading the transcript trying to pick out your question and Ooh. that was the one I thought oh, oh excellent because it was because it was the best question oh. <laughs> um, I, I loved that up for you and you smashed it away thank you very much um, yeah ask him how he views his year because he's won more titles than ever before he's you know it's on paper on paper it's far better than last year and in lots of ways better than any year he's had on tour but he has not done well at slams at all really disappointing Australian Open and lost to lost in the first round of the French didn't he um and I said would you swap the titles for better slam results and he said I'd swap them for a slam title but I wouldn't swap them for a slam final oh that's interesting he likes trophies, mm. basically. Yeah. He said, w when you win a title, you get a trophy, you can look at it, you can hold it. And he went, I, I don't hold them, generally. I don't <laughs> sort of just sit at home hugging my trophies. <laughs> um, it would be fine if, if he did. I think I probably would. Um, but yeah, interesting insights into the mind of Daniel Medvedev are always interesting, I think. And I'm looking forward to Medvedev against Lehechka. Um what have we got on the agenda t and agenda for tomorrow? Shall I tell you? Please. We start on centre with Andre Rublev against Alexander Bublik. Bublik gracing centre court. <laughs> Looking forward to watching him. It's a uh, Haller final. Oh yes. Repeat. One by Bublik. Won. Was that mm. close? That final. Uh, yeah, I think. I think. Put me on the spot again. <laughs> but I think all the sets were six three, if I remember correctly. But it was, you know, two sets to one to Bublik. 
Svantec Bencic second on. Mm. Very looking forward to yeah. that. Eyes emoji. Yeah, and Herkatch Djokovic. Less looking. Slightly <laughs> less eyes emoji. <laughs> Number one caught Pagula against Serenko. And then Yannick Sinner against Daniel Galan. Of losing to Kasparud in 45 <laughs> minutes fame. <laughs> also being six love, five love up on Stefanos Sitsipas at the US Open. Yeah. Last on year. Serena Williams night. Ser- and it was suddenly like, what the hell is happening over there? such surreal yeah. associations with Daniel Galan. Oh, I'd forgotten that. Mm. Uh, last up on court one tomorrow, Azarenka against Svitolina. Mm. Big yes, please. Yeah, really pumped for that. Uh, court two is Vondrosheva against Buzkova, the Chekhov. Oh, that worked, didn't it? I, yeah, very good. <laughs> um, then it's the resumption of Grigor Dimitrov against Francis Tiafo. And then Roman Sifuelin against Denis Shapovalov. Actually, one of the things that Medvedev was asked about in press today was Roman Sifuelin because he's a contemporary of his. Um, and Medvedev's glowing about his game. Wasn't he? I'm, I'm getting into territory that I'm, this, this isn't terra firma. We're, we're live, Matt. But, we're live. But I think he was the guy uh, <laughs> that posts Aslan Karatsev for the uh, Russian ATP Cup team. It was like the next year, Roman Sefulin was their guy. Yes. Who was like, oh, suddenly we've got. Uh, we've he got first this guy came to my attention at that ATP Cup, yeah. for sure. He's a former junior yeah, number he one. Is, yeah. Um, that just hasn't quite transferred but the game is there court three tomorrow starts with Petros and Stefanos Tsitsipas against Artifis and Luca Van Ash. they're tied at one set apiece match of the day I reckon is that like an 11 o'clock start yes it is <laughs> sounds like perfect preparation <laughs> for your, for your uh, then run. it's uh, Potapova against Andreva the match that uh, is carried over from today. Then we have some mixed doubles involving Bianca Andreescu. She's teamed up with Michael Venus again. Of course, they reached the French Open mixed doubles final. And then Coco Goff and Jessica Bagula are in women's doubles action last on. You've got Alex de Menor and Katie Bolter playing mixed together oh. tomorrow. Jamie Murray and Taylor Townsend, which is um, a really fun mixed partnership. Oh, my goodness, I've just seen something extraordinary. Last on quarter 18 tomorrow is... Marcel Gonoyas and Horatio Zabayos against the winner of Petros and Stefanos <laughs> against Artifis and Luca Panache. He might have to play twice, first and last, tomorrow. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, what is he doing? Okay, um, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Wishing him luck. Wishing him luck. Uh, there is juniors all over the place tomorrow. Uh, the wheelchair event gets started on Monday, I think. We'll look out for that. Christopher Eubanks is in the men's doubles. Didn't know that. Playing with Jay Wolf, who I assume is JJ Wolf. Surely. <laughs> Would be weird yeah. if there was a Jay Wolf and a JJ Wolf, but uh, we'll confirm <laughs> on Maybe a future related. podcast. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, juniors everywhere tomorrow. I think that the wheelchair event doesn't get started till Monday, but I will confirm that for you. I think that's it. For day six, live from Wimbledon, we of course have our mascot Erin. Hello, Erin. Lovely, lovely Erin. Uh, brought to in our lives, brought to our lives by Daryl, Dave's mate Daryl. Yeah. Um, we have our mascots. I've got Xenia. Who knows if we got points today, Xenia? Because rain. David's got Maisie. I did get points today, Maisie, with your help because we picked Matteo Berrettini. Oh. That was why you were high on Matteo Berrettini. It didn't, it, it didn't hurt, let's just put it that way. <laughs> and Matt's got Darwin. It's all in the balance, Darwin. Yeah, although not looking great, because Grigor Dimitrov's decided to show up. <laughs> no great surprise, you could have checked with me. <laughs> Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Ilana Kloss. Interestingly, Ilana participated in the Mexican wave today during the rain delay, and Billie Jean did not she was and distracted, though. I actually think I would have had it the other way around. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I was just sat there in the rain with nothing to look at, so I was... You were on the world ...observing team. these things. I, oh, God, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was <moment>. texting Reggie. <laughs> caught on the world feed, texting Reggie, telling him he'd dressed the same as Billie Jean King. <laughs> 
uh, we have our top folks, and he, he, he had. He even put his glasses on, especially. <laughs> we have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Hannah, Andrew. Hello to all of you, and thank you for your support. And Matt, we have shout outs. Yes, we have a special shout out today, and that is for Clark. And this comes courtesy of Debbie Schmidt, who says, My son Clark and I share a love of the tennis podcast and today made it all the more special as Clark met David and later got engaged after the Alcaraz match. They'll be connected to tennis, Wimbledon and the tennis podcast. So we we wanted to give a special... Shout out and congratulations to Clark. The romantic effect you have on people, David. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. Yeah, when I, I walked in this morning and, uh, I mean, you know, we are lucky enough to sometimes run into listeners, friends of the Tennis Podcast sometimes, but people that, that listen to us. And and Clark was one of those. There were a couple of people when I, when I walked in and Clark w- was just so kind and generous about what what we do and he was with his friends and they were all videoing it and I thought of it weird and, uh, and there were other people like oh I wonder he's, he's, it must be somebody famous and they're like don't recognise him at all um, and Clark couldn't have been nicer and said uh, you know maybe have you I don't think you've ever had a Clark as a shout out and I said I'm thinking I, I don't think we have we, we I'm, and I'm actually struggling for a Clark as a tennis player um, but you know if you ever want to shout out you can get one um, so I'm still struggling for Clark Grabner. What? Where was that? That was in my back of my head as well, yeah. but I don't know why. Uh, Who is that? He was around the time of Arthur Ashe was around. Isn't isn't, oh. isn't that book uh, Levels of the Game? I think that might be written about a Clark Grabner Arthur Ashe match at the U.S. Open. I'm going to go with that, Matt. I believe you knew. Uh, but I, but I do want to say congratulations. Someone to, will be correcting me in the comments if I'm wrong. To Clark, I'm, I mean, you know, congratulations and uh, to you both, and and it was lovely to meet you. Yeah, mm. congratulations, Clark, to you and your fiance, and um, consider your marriage blessed by David Law <laughs> and the Tennis <laughs> Podcast. What could possibly go wrong? I, I, well, I, you know, we got three beers here. We had four. I dropped one on the way up. So, <laughs> so don't, know what to, don't know what that says. Um, right, that's it. I think <laughs> it better be. Um, thank you all ever so much for listening, for watching. I'm sorry, I've been left speechless so many times tonight. <laughs> You're a professional podcaster, Matt. Get your head in the game. Um, it's all David's fault, isn't it? Um, congratulations, David, on winning the beer race. I didn't even complete the beer race tonight. Uh, thank you all for joining us live, if that's what you're doing, for listening on the podcast, if that is what you're doing. You're all supporting the podcast, and that means the world to us. We're loving doing these live shows here from Wimbledon, from this incredible position. If you'd like to support the show year-round, you can do that by becoming a friend of the tennis podcast and getting access to all of that bocco. It's not happening, is it? It's never going to work. It's not happening. The kids are saying it. Anyway, um, you can subscribe to the newsletter, which is free and excellent. It's an absolute no-brainer. The link to do that is in the show notes, and that is where you find the 90s off between David and Matthew. Mm. Things are hotting up. Which is getting tense. Very fun development today in Mm. in the 90s off, which you can read about in the newsletter. Excellent. How come you, I don't know about it? You can. Uh, what else can you need to do? You can leave us an Apple podcast review. You can hit the like and subscribe button if you are with us on YouTube. Apparently, the kids tell us that helps a lot. Yeah, we don't so, really know why. So but... please, if you're enjoying our stuff, then like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Leave us an Apple podcast review if that is how you're listening. And tell your friends if you think they might like the tennis podcast. And if you are visiting Wimbledon and it's not too late for you to stay, then come and see us up here on uh, on the roof overlooking Court 18. We record every night at the end of singles play on the show courts and we'll be back tomorrow doing just that we can't wait to see you and speak to you then planning for your next trip 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.